This is The Space Shot, episode 25, for June 8th, 2017. To the edge of space with the X-15. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. Earlier this week, SpaceX and the United States Air Force announced that a Falcon 9 rocket will be launching the unmanned X-37B this August. The X-37B can stay in space for extended periods of time. The longest and most recent mission went for 717 days. The X-37 is an orbital space plane, whereas the space plane I'm going to be talking about today was for suborbital flights. On this day in 1959, the X-15 performed its first free flight. The X-15 program was conducted as a collaboration between NASA, North American Aviation Incorporated, the United States Air Force, and the U.S. Navy. Over almost a decade, the three X-15s that were produced flew a combined 199 missions. These test flights were conducted at various altitudes, up to 67 miles high, which is well above the internationally recognized boundary of space, and at different high Mach speeds that maxed out at Mach 6.7. I feel like I could do an entire podcast series just on the X-15 because there were so many missions that were conducted over that period. There were 12 X-15 pilots that flew over the course of the program. Neil Armstrong flew seven of the X-15 flights, and it's funny that none of his flights were considered high enough to qualify as reaching space since the highest he flew in an X-15 was just under 40 miles. So back to that first flight that happened today, the first pilot of the X-15 was Albert Scott Crossfield. He was the first person to fly at twice the speed of sound in a Douglas Skyrocket experimental aircraft. After that, he became a test pilot for North American Aviation, allowing him to have the ability to have a role in the design and development of the X-15. It was on this day in 1959 that Crossfield conducted the first unpowered test flight of the X-15. The initial test flight wasn't flawless, and there were problems with controlling the aircraft. Thankfully, he was able to land without injury to himself or to the aircraft. After the initial unpowered flight, NASA and the Air Force moved to faster and higher missions. The X-15 could be reused quite quickly, which allowed for continuous research into hypersonic flight. One year after the initial free flight, on June 8, 1960, Crossfield had another test that could have ended badly. The rocket engine on the X-15 exploded while performing an engine test on the ground. Dennis Jenkins, the author of a NASA monograph on the X-15 project, recounts what happened here. A second restart was attempted, resulting in an explosion that effectively destroyed the aircraft aft of the wing. Crossfield was in the cockpit, which was thrown 30 feet forward, but he was not injured. Thankfully, the investigation that followed discovered no fundamental issues with the engine, just a simple failure of a pressure regulator. If you look at a cutaway diagram of the X-15, almost three-quarters of the vehicle is either fuel, oxidizer, or other components related to the engine. With how the space plane was designed, it couldn't take off from a traditional runway. Instead, it relied on a B-52 carrier aircraft to take it to altitude, similar to how the modern-day Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 is designed. Once the X-15's engine was ignited, it burned for as little as 80 seconds and as long as 120 seconds, depending on the mission. Once the powered portion of the flight was completed, the X-15 could proceed on a trajectory that would take it either up into space or continue along a relatively straight path for a quicker landing. During these flights, the X-15 helped answer many of the questions that scientists and engineers had about hypersonic flight. 
namely how the surface of the space plane or aircraft would be able to handle the extreme heat generated during hypersonic flight and re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. Tomorrow I will have more on the X-15 as we head to the final frontier. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to the show. It would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes and on Google Play Music. If you know someone that loves space, history, or pop culture, please share the space shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.